Welcome to the Walkie Talkie Podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Matt. And we are going to talkie some walkies. So uh, we have recently watched uh, Season 7, Episode 10, New Best Friends. And actually, to be completely honest, we not only watched it recently, but we recorded a podcast about it recently. Yeah. Which had horrendous audio on my end, like this weird static, which I will forever be afraid will repeat itself. Um, and we had to throw out the whole thing. And we still don't really know what caused it. It's mysterious. It's strange and mm-hmm. horrible. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, we hope that we don't sound too contrived doing this right. now because we're going to have to like, you know, not that our reactions are false, but they we're going to be hearing them for the second time. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, to be completely honest with you, I don't remember much about our recording. <laughs> so, okay. I think we'll be okay. At least on my end, I'll be okay. okay. <laughs> so this is I just, did a mind wipe. <laughs> yeah. This is just uh, our second time podcasting, and it mm-hmm. shows because we still haven't gotten the hang of this, but... Technically, I, it's our fourth. That's right. Yeah, technically, <laughs> it's our fourth. <laughs> so we have a, a 50% success rate. No, so far... <laughs> We have a, we might have a 50%. Right now we have a, right. what is 65? it? A, a 33% success yeah. rate of actually mm-hmm. getting what we record onto the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eventually we will always get the material on and it will always be stellar. It will always. Always. Doesn't matter if it's on Saturday night at 11 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be there. <laughs> yes. All right. So, new best friends. Yeah. Um, well, I guess what we can do is just go through the episode chronologically. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to be probably experimenting with different formats for going through the episodes. We really felt like last time we just went too long. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and we, we want to tighten it up some. We definitely don't want the podcast episodes to be longer than the episodes themselves. Yeah. So uh, we're going to try and stick to about 45 minutes. That's going to be our goal. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> do you want to do first impressions? Yeah. So, I yeah, I think our format will be, you know, yeah, first impressions, like on a scale from 1 to 10, overall broad picture, and then mm-hmm. move into the chronological um recounting of the episode and our our thoughts on it yeah um so do you want to start matt sure uh overall i i think i i realized how much i didn't like last week's episode after i watched this one because i genuinely liked this one um it obviously isn't my favorite walking dead episode but i i thought it was very dynamic I liked the pacing, especially. Uh, the score was something new and something I enjoyed. It it was a a little uh, well, at least for the junkyard scene, it was kind of '80s coming of age, yeah, <laughs> style synth score. Uh, it was it was nice. I I appreciated most of the dialogue. But there were still some issues that I had with the dialogue, and that kind of brought my rating down a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, I thought it was a good episode. I'd give it probably about a seven, a mm-hmm. solid seven. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe a, a six point eight if we're gonna do like pointing points. But um, yeah, round it up to a seven. I'll be generous. Yeah. So I would uh, also give it a a hard seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I rated last week's episode uh, like a six, six point five, six point five, something like yeah. that. I also agree that after seeing this episode, I'm feeling like I went a little too high with last week's yeah. episode too. So yeah, I did think that this was a good episode. Um, I have my issues with it, which mm-hmm. we'll get to. Um, but overall, I also agree. The pacing was good. I was mm-hmm. thinking about how, if this had been the first half of the season, the Daryl Carroll stuff would have been dragged out and that would have been the whole episode. Yeah. Um, it really would have been, as that good, was the shining star of the episode. Yeah. As good as the Daryl Carroll stuff was, um, I think both parts, you know, the A and B storylines in this episode would have been both elongated mm-hmm. and would have been separate stories. And, and I just think it was much better that we were cutting back and forth between the two. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say one of the things we were really hoping to see in this half of the season, we were seeing in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, big picture. Love that the Daryl Carroll relationship was returned to. That's one of the um, most special relationships in the show. And um, mm-hmm. I, I thought they, they, they made the most of it in the, in this episode, which I'm sure we'll talk about more too. And um yeah, I, I just thought it was it was interesting. You know, I was not tempted to look at my phone multiple times during this episode. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I see that as a as one way of measuring, you know, how quality it was. So. Yeah. But yeah, let's get into the the details. So, okay. opening scene, we have a uh, a drop off from the from the kingdom for the saviors or a pickup by the saviors. From the kingdom and uh i just want to say that you know jared is the worst <laughs> the guy with the long hair who gets his name in, is jared his name is jared okay. we, we, we we disagreed we weren't sure about this when we recorded the first time i mistook him for gavin gavin i think was actually the guy that was nicer about the whole thing the savior sure. that was a bit more humane okay um but yeah jared is his name i looked it up yeah Okay. And, uh, yeah, I think that guy's going to die. Uh, I hope so. He's the worst. <laughs> he's the he worst. really is. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was, I thought that scene was really good. I thought it was tense. Uh-huh. And. Oh, yeah, I felt, I felt the stakes for sure. I felt the stakes in a lot of scenes in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the things are just about to boil over. Mm-hmm. And, Yeah. Um, favorite part of that whole, that whole scene is when Morgan asks for his stick back. (laughs) Because I felt like it was such a good Morgan character moment in the sense of showing the kind of person he is. Because, you know, he asks for it as if this guy, Jared, is, is a human being, you Mm -hmm. know, which he's demonstrated zero humanity whatsoever morgan has also just hit him with the stick or blocked him or whatever and and so 
you know, the, the idea that you would talk to someone like that, like, could I please have my stick back without offering any sort of, you know, collateral or anything like that is just unthinkable. It's like, you know, just saying to a, to, to Hitler or something like, Oh, could I, could I please have some food? Like, you know, (laughs) when you're in a concentration camp, you just, you don't do that. But I love that he did it anyway, because it's like, he's saying, no, I still see you as a human being, and so I'm going to talk to you like a human being and trust that you can see the humanity in me and respect the fact that the stick was given to me by somebody that I care about. And even though... Yeah, you even mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, even though it just seems like like a fantasy to talk that way. Right. Uh, you know, it, it reminds me of like, well, Morgan knows that there was a time when his humanity was completely gone. And right. it took somebody else treating him like a human being in order to bring it back. And... um I've been watching through the series again, so I recently saw the episode where Morgan, in the third season, Rick and Michonne find Morgan, and uh, he's just totally, you know, insane. It's crazy. He's all about clearing and basically killing everybody. And, yeah. Uh, and I've, I'd forgotten just how far gone <laughs> he had been. Yeah. And it was good to be reminded of that, because I was like, okay, you know, now his actions make more sense, you know, his right. hesitation to, to be violent and everything. Because he just knows with every horrible person that he encounters, you know, there but for the grace go I. And right. So that was a like a perfect little moment that brought that out. And, and of course, the response, like, read the room, sensei. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, any other thoughts on that opening scene? Um, I did really like Morgan's plea for his stick back. That was funny. It, like I said in our last podcast, though, it did take me out. I mm-hmm. thought it was hilarious, but I was like, eh, well, I wouldn't really think that he would do that in reality. But the more you've talked about it, the more you've explained it, mm-hmm. I I can see it. I'm not totally opposed to the the choice there. Um. It is funny that he would appeal to uh, the humanity of these monsters yeah. and expect them to uh, to treat him the same way back. Um, I do think it's interesting that the story is getting to a point where they're making the saviors out to be worse and worse and worse. There was even a reference maybe last week to the more we give the saviors, the the worse off we're going to be or the closer we are to losing this battle. And I think there's something, something to be said about that. Um, because they do seem to be worse now than they were i don't know like at least with the kingdom their last encounter with the kingdom was a little bit more uh humane but they're always beating up on the uh, alexandrians um and then this time it seems like uh they're a little worse but gavin seems to be the guy that's reasonable Mm -hmm. um in fact i kind of felt like he was a little empathetic towards their situation or maybe just tired maybe Mm -hmm. he had this fatigue like i just don't feel like dealing with this anymore yeah whatever you gave us 10 whatever 10 were and Mm -hmm. we're gonna get out of here yeah um that was kind of my the one thing that i took away from that scene was the scene with 
the the woman, the archer woman. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that stuff. Uh, how she mentioned something about her sister liking that dress, and that she actually she said it more matter of fact, more uh, more like my sister did not like my sister did not like that dress, meaning. That could possibly be her sister. Right. And she just shot her sister in the eye, potentially. But we weren't given any information about it, so I don't know why they chose to do that. And I didn't care. Like, they... It just seemed out of left field, but it didn't seem out of left field for The Walking Dead. Uh, And then they bookended it with the same situation at the very end of that scene, which, again, I didn't feel like had any weight whatsoever mm-hmm. i don't know anyways I think, yeah i think they're just trying to remind us that in this world that they're living in you know you could be shooting at a corpse walking around that might have been a family member but at this point it's so decomposed you don't even know for sure right and uh it's just like oh oh the sadness yeah <laughs> yeah and 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 i think part of it also is that she doesn't seem to even care that much yeah. Which is also supposed to be, you know, a, just a, a reminder of how how sad this world is at this mm. point. Yeah, I honestly, I'm okay with it. And I think the more I think about it and the philosophy behind that idea, I'm okay with it. It's just at, it's a reactionary thing. Mm-hmm. And I think as filmmakers, they have a duty to let us in a little bit deeper than just surface level reactions and in that scene i just had a surface level reaction because i didn't feel anything leading up to it i suppose Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know yeah because that's a great thought that like they're just walking around dead people that could have been a family member of theirs but they're just so decomposed that they're unrecognizable Mm -hmm. and that's sad you know it's right. not that's not a happy thought and i think it could be really fun to explore those ideas but they don't really mm-hmm. it's kind of like an ancillary thought mm-hmm. yeah but what are you gonna do <laughs> what you can do is all band together and kill the saviors yeah <laughs> so Next major scene, I would say, is Richard and Daryl uh, mm-hmm. fighting. I know there's a little bit more in between there, but uh, big moment. Richard uh, has a plan for how to take out the saviors, and it involves blowing some up and then making some sort of trail that leads to a woman who's living alone in the woods, thereby incriminating her and thereby leading the saviors to come and kill her, and thereby leading Ezekiel to go, hmm, I guess we need to do something about this. Mm. <laughs> and that woman, yeah. of course, is Carol. So, uh, Wait, but, who is she? <laughs> who is she? Tell me her name. What was her name? <laughs> her name. Give me her name. <laughs> Long pause. Refusal to tell for no reason at all. Yeah. <laughs> Carol. Just carry on with the. She's just some woman. <laughs> oh man, 
Yeah, what'd you think about Richard's plan in general? The logic behind it. I do think it's a little bit of a stretch to think that it would work. But mm-hmm. I, I'm i not bothered by it. I can see Richard as a very desperate guy at this point, And I can see him being frustrated that he tried to recruit Carol and Morgan and, you know, didn't didn't go anywhere so yeah at this point he's just this this woman that he knows who's just living by herself she doesn't seem to have that much of a life and she's just a hermit and yeah he believes sacrifices have got to be made he feels like this is the only idea he come up with for how to get ezekiel to come around and realize the gravity of the situation Mm -hmm. so it does seem like a bit of a stretch but it's not so much of a stretch to me that I don't buy it that it just feels completely contrived to me. I know yeah. some people are saying it seemed completely contrived. I didn't I didn't feel that way. Okay. But but uh the part of the scene that I thought was the the best aspect was just, you know, Daryl's refusal to participate and, you know, how how passionate he got when he knew it was Carol, you know. Mm-hmm. That's a great 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 thing to bring out. So Sure, yeah. yeah. I did want to ask you do you think Daryl would would have gone along with it if it wasn't Carol, if it was some other woman or some other person, some innocent person? Mm. Well, it's a good question. Um, I would like to say that Daryl wouldn't do it. Uh-huh. And I think that throughout many points in the series, Daryl would not have done it. I'm reminded of when he and Merle were out on their own in the woods and then they heard some screams and I think this was in the third season and they yeah. they went and they um, saved that family from, from the walkers and Merle just wanted to plunder their stuff after that and that was when, you know, Daryl pointed the crossbow at him and was like, what's your problem? Yeah. And, uh, which is a great moment in Daryl's evolution, you know, because presumably Daryl before the apocalypse might have gone along with what Merle was doing. Yeah. Uh, we don't know for sure, but, um, and even probably in the second season. Well, Oh yeah. There was the, there's a moment where Merle reminds Daryl that they had plans to take everything from the Georgia camp and right. leave. Right. And yeah. at that point, Daryl was on board with that. So, uh, huh. Yeah, Daryl's changed tremendously. I think that at this point, there's a level of desperation in Daryl uh, that we saw demonstrated when he, you know, just bashed Fat Joey's brains out. Um, right. That, you know, if he doesn't already have a human connection to someone, he, he might be able to just, you know, bypass it and just think about you know the end rather than the means so i don't know for sure i want to say that he wouldn't but um i don't know yeah i think daryl's had a an uphill evolution Mm -hmm. i i don't think he's really backtracked too much there have been times where uh put in the right circumstance and and corner him just enough i think he would you know um do something not so moral but i have a hard time believing in this circumstance you take carol out of this situation if he would still uh 
sabotage an innocent person and lead a savior ambush to them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like to think that Daryl's come pretty far mm-hmm. and give him the benefit of the doubt. But it is interesting because it did seem like when he was wanting to know who who Carol was, he kept asking the question, what was her name? And it, they kind of play it so... Uh, it's a very emotional scene, so it's hard to say whether or not if it was someone else, he'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let's just do it then. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard to say if if uh, he he if he just wanted to know who it was just so he can go see Carol, but if it wasn't, I don't know. I, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to speculate because I think that uh, it kind of goes back to when he was a captor of the Saviors and they didn't break him. Mm. Um, he has come a long way. He's gotten, he's on the level, I think, with Rick. And then there's a question if Rick would even do that. Like Rick might, <laughs> Rick right. might have been more on board right. to uh, to throw another innocent in the line of fire. Right. That's another. It reminds me of something else from the third season when the governor asked for Michonne in exchange for not attacking the prison. Mm, and, yeah. And Rick almost did it. Yep. He didn't end up doing it but he came awful close he was very close yeah yeah which Who? you know it's it's been interesting to watch michonne and rick's interactions again yeah you know. well you're you're re-watching it right i am yeah yeah and, and so yeah because at, at the time i never would have dreamed that they would have been together yeah um but watching it they over have great again, chemistry though yeah they did right mm-hmm. um yeah i I mean, just to go back to your initial question, I think that Daryl has had an amazing evolution in the show, and it's one right. of the you know great character arcs that's taken place. And I uh, I would certainly hope that he would not kill an innocent or allow an innocent to be killed. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really doubt that. I doubt that he would. I hope that he wouldn't. There's, but there's still a slight bit of uncertainty. You know, if, yeah. if he was just able to not see her not know her you know nothing right so um all right so i guess now we can move into talking about the garbage pail kids (laughs) i love that name (laughs) (laughs) oh my god so we are the garbage pail kids (laughs) There's a lot to talk about here. Right. I I remember on Talking Dead, they said that the staff referred, the um, the uh, crew would call them the Heapsters. Oh, nice. The heapsters. I didn't watch Talking Dead. I don't get the Talking Dead. No, yeah. Which is unfortunate. But uh, yeah, these uh, people who live in garbage, why would you choose to live in garbage? <laughs> I get that it's a post-apocalyptic world, but I mean, yeah. really, things have you know fallen apart. Uh, you don't need to push yourself even further by living in garbage, right? There's enough yeah. metaphorical garbage everywhere. <laughs> I, 
I get, okay, well, there could potentially be a lot of resources, but also a, a, a landfill is a dangerous place to live. Yeah, it's even filled... before the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's filled with disease and... Viruses. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's... Sharp objects. It's just unpleasant, too. Yeah. It smells terrible. Critters. Yeah. And... Parasites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I can't I can't even imagine them surviving that long in the apocalypse in a landfill. You know? Right, yeah. So yeah, I think we definitely need to talk about the absurdity of this group. I mean, it was interesting, it was entertaining, don't get me wrong. But there are big questions about why would this group exist? Why would they be right. the way that they are? If it had been 10, 20 years after the world fell apart, uh-huh. then it'd be a little bit more believable. Or maybe, like, say, a generation that grew up. Exactly. Yeah, after um, everything fell apart. I could see more that, that a group would exist that would be like these people. But these are people who just you know, three years ago, whatever. I, th- I think it's only been about that long, given yeah. given uh, Judith's uh, age. People three years ago who had jobs and families and, you know, watch TV. and Right. They, uh, why would they be living in garbage in talking in sentence fragments? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not normal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, I'll just say, I loved when we did our last podcast when you submitted that the idea that it was <laughs> it was like a bus of um, what you say. I think a, uh, a bus of people from a mental institution. <laughs> that would make sense. I don't want to be <laughs> offensive or anything like that, but <laughs> it's it's like, oh well, the bus stopped here. Right. Let's just get out and make our home, you know? Yes. yes. <laughs> Severely disturbed group. Uh, normally, yeah. you know, in need of of medication that we're on being transported somewhere. Yeah. You know, ended up getting stuck in traffic, got off at, at a landfill and was like, well, guess this is where we're going to be. And I guess we're going to make it easier on ourselves and not speak yeah. the same. Yeah. <laughs> It reminds me of that episode of The Office when Kevin's like, why say lot word when few word do trick? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Save time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually said out loud near the end of the episode, I I hate her in reference Mm -hmm. to Jadis. And... It was for a couple of reasons, and I, I mean no disrespect to the actress who's playing her. I think that she's doing a good job with what she's been given, but mm-hmm. it's just like, why does this woman have to be so surly and so, um, like, non-human? Why does she have to talk right. like a robot? Why, um, yeah, why? She's just... Or some, like, creature from another world <laughs> where, like... They're trying to speak English, but they have their own. Like I could, I could buy that they have their own like language. But why would they? They're in Georgia, right? <laughs> or DC or whatever. I yes. Okay. So why would a Georgian woman 
who three years ago was presumably a normal, I don't know, maybe she was like a teacher or something. Who was she? Who was she even? Who was she? Right. But (laughs) why would she start saying things three years into the the apocalypse? Things like, away from Tamil, rather than let her go. Or, you know, your words now, rather than speak, (laughs) or let's hear what you have to say. Like, your Your words words now? now? (laughs) Your words. Share them. You have the best words. (laughs) Uh, Your words I do not like. (laughs) Your words bigly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Take Rick to up, up, up. Yeah. (laughs) I think of when I think of the up 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 I think of like some sort of Dr. Zeus story. Right, yeah. Or like characters live up in this like uh um Olympus-esque mountain where the gods are and yeah. Yeah. Know, it's weird. <laughs> well, th- I mean that reminds me when we did the first podcast, I remember the first version of this podcast. Mhm. Um that this whole this whole episode with meeting these weirdos, you know, and and then making the deal, and and Rick having to fight Winslow and and everything, mm-hmm. it, it plays out like something from the Iliad. Oh Iliad, yeah, Iliad or you know some mythology. Yeah, and so it's definitely interesting. It's entertaining, but it seems like it's taking place in another world other than the world of The Walking Dead. No, it it really does, and I think there's something to be said about that because the um the way that they shot that scene just in general and uh the score they used yeah because that's that interesting score was just in this scene mm-hmm. it wasn't in any other part of the episode yeah so i don't know maybe that's their theme and they're trying to really drive home that this is a unique and strange place yeah the garbage pail kids <laughs> and i will say i Personally, I would prefer weird and off-the-wall stuff to, like, boring, slow-paced, yeah. you know, things that feel like they could actually be happening. Yeah, it was it was entertaining, if nothing else. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, so, the Winslow scene, the yeah. crazy zombie, um, that, you know, that was the, the selling point of this episode, for sure. That was, like, mm-hmm. the marketable moment. Yeah. And I did I did really like it. Like I I liked that if you just saw that um creature Winslow in a in a in a quick shot like we did in the trailer, you were like, right. "What could that possibly be?" Or that that was my reaction when I saw it. I was like, "What is Yeah. Um, Blend in pretty well. Yeah, it looks like, you know, something out of uh a Del Toro film. It Yeah, or it, an old Iliad or Dante's Inferno or something. Yeah, yeah. He he reminded me of the Pale Man in Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, dude. Wow. It, except with spikes. Right. Right. Um, yeah. It didn't it didn't actually look like a zombie too much? Right. It wasn't it, decomposed like a zombie. But it was cool because you could still see once you knew that it was a walker. Uh-huh. Like, oh yeah, okay, this is a walker, yeah. and I could conceive that some twisted people would turn a walker into something like that for their mm-hmm. purposes. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. That was a good way to, you know, it's it, that's continuous with the Walking Dead universe and, you know, making it go into other realms of insanity. So yeah. 
you know, that was, that was really cool. And, um, I, I found the whole idea that that creature would exist there in, in that moment, um, as a test to see if Rick can prove his, the feats of strength. That's what this was. The feats of strength. So for the rest of us. (laughs) (laughs) So Rick can prove that he is prove his medal, that he is someone that can go and get guns for them. Ironically, given that he already proved that he was willing to do uh, crazy things when he, he, he rode that boat out there and right, you know, got the, stole the food. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, I would have bought it more if it was like this was a group that liked watching gladiator kind of games and mm-hmm. and uh, it wasn't so much a test of his strength as it was just an entertaining thing. Yeah. But the, he was thrown into this little area where there's just those little holes that you can look through. And so it wasn't really something that a lot of people could observe. So right. it wasn't like it was for show. It wasn't for entertainment. I know we've already seen that with the governor and his people that they did something like that. But more believable to me kind of like star wars it is right? and actually it's interesting that you bring that up because on talking dead they were saying the same thing oh really yeah i was gonna say when they were at the top of the top of the heap one of my biggest issues with this scene was the cgi matte painting behind rick mm-hmm. i really didn't like that i just need to get that out of there because i I, it bothers me when they do stuff like that because they do have a big budget. It's not like they're lacking. They make a tiger. And they don't technically need to do a shot like that. They just chose to. So, I don't know. I thought mm. that was, uh, was a bad choice. But, mm. anyways, um, continue. Um. So, yeah, fight scene with Rick and Winslow. Tense. I mean, I, of course, I didn't expect Rick to die, uh, right. but, but he did suffer a serious injury to his hand and that was, that was disturbing. And yeah. Um, do you think Rick is going to lose his hand? I do. Well, I, do. I don't want to say that, uh, definitively, mm-hmm. but I, I have a suspicion he will, um, it would just be a tough thing for them to accomplish on the show because you're either going to CG out his hand, which would, again, add to the budget, and they probably wouldn't do it all the time. They'd have to hide it, mm-hmm. um, maybe with, like, a Merle sort of wrapping or something. Yeah. Um, like with Carl, they just have patch over his eyes, so that, I mean, that's easy. Uh but if they're willing to spend the budget or willing to hide the hand, yeah, I think they'll absolutely take his hand. Which would be a shame it. because I, th- yeah, I would be a shame because I, I, uh, I think Rick could use his hand. <laughs> like I think it's an important thing to have in the, the post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> he loses it in the comics, right? Yep. And, yeah. But he lost it a long time ago, mm-hmm. right? Do you, do you know when he lost it? Yeah, it's definitely before the Saviors. Um, but he... I mean, he goes on without it. In fact, he's got a... Uh, um, he's got a uh, cane as well. He uses a cane. Really? And no hand. So it's it's interesting. There's actually this one scene in the comics where he uh, 
he gets really upset with someone. I'm not going to mention who. I don't even think he's in the in the show. Um, but he jumps. He like jumps, attacks him, and knocks him down. And he's got only one hand, and he's like pressing. He's got his uh, um, the the cane across the guy's neck and he's pushing down with one hand and pressing down with his stub on the other hand on with mm. on the other side and choking this guy out it's pretty nuts i mean so rick with you know handicapped uh um a handicapped scenario he's still pretty formidable oh wow <laughs> poor guy it's yeah been through so much well and maybe it's another star wars homage there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll make him a, a, a artificial hand that's just as good as the old one, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> Eugene would do that. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get what, ugly, though, because if he loses that hand, you know, it's going to be a slow thing where he has to decide whether to cut it off or not. Yeah. Yeah. And they've been teasing it a lot. They have, yeah. yeah. Last season, the episode that Glenn died, not really. Cut his um, hand. He cut his hand really bad. But he didn't just cut it in this scene. He stabbed it with a junkyard spike. Like, <laughs> right. forget tetanus. And then forget... he climbed a rope. Right. <laughs> the guy's going to get infected. <laughs> like his hand is gonna get in fact he's gonna yeah, get yeah because that's what's ha- that's what happens when you live in garbage right <laughs> <laughs> yep oh man <laughs> it's true it's a bad idea to live in garbage mm-hmm. it's one of the things my mom taught me <laughs> and you know maybe if they spoke right They'd communicate uh, better, and Rick wouldn't have needed to go down in the pit. They could have just had a normal conversation, like normal adults, and talked it out. But, no, bring him to up, up, up. We see if he really good at this thing. (laughs) Mm. So dumb. (laughs) So, and and a couple other thoughts about this whole thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, before I forget... Some props to Father Gabriel that, oh, he, yeah. you know, betray them. I remember I said in our last podcast that how I felt about the opening to the last episode with Father Gabriel taking all the stuff and leaving would depend a lot on how that was resolved. And I'm pretty happy with the way it was resolved that, mm-hmm. you know, it was by necessity. And uh, he tried to think quickly in the moment for how to get them all there. Yeah. And, uh, and it worked. So... And uh, it, it was a nice moment, you know, maybe a little uh, a little contrived, but I still thought it was nice when uh, when Father Gabriel was like, why were you smiling? And he was like, because somebody taught me that enemies can become friends. Yeah. And uh, it was just, a nice like nod to the fans. Right. Or to the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That Gabriel had had come around. And, you know, I think we're in a point now where we can feel like we can trust him pretty mm-hmm. solidly. Yeah. And I do think he's going to die uh, at some point in the not too distant future. Interesting. So and, you're changing your prediction on deaths? Yeah. Well, I, 
I think that of the people who could potentially die this season, okay, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep my same prediction because I want to hold to that okay. that none of our people are gonna die mm-hmm. this season. But I I feel like if I had to pick somebody, he suddenly went to the front of the pack. Okay, um, because like we've talked about before, it seems like once they finish a character arc, they don't know what to do with the character. Right. And that character gets killed off. Um, Because I feel like Father Gabriel has basically made his peace with himself and the group. So he is in the danger zone at this point. That's how it happens. Yeah. So I I don't want him to die. I would like to see him to have many opportunities in the future to demonstrate his newfound strength and resolve. So definitely, but we'll see. Yeah. Um. I think that Rick has basically made an alliance with a group that has not demonstrated themselves to be any better than the saviors themselves. Oh, for sure. Uh, which. <laughs> Seems foolish. Yeah. Um, I thought it was kind of funny the way he just seemed to jump in to join us and fight these guys. You know, it went <laughs> it went from we're we we kill you now um, right. <laughs> to um, well, if you kill us, then you'll anger these other people, and yep. then they'll come and kill you. So let's all just go kill them together. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it was it seemed actually very reasonable that Jadis was just like no. Yeah. We don't really have the emotional passion to go fight a war on that alone. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, man. I'll just say what I ha- had thought of this scene overall. I thought it was awkward and weird and strange as all get out, uh, but entertaining nonetheless. Mm-hmm. The... Um, the scene with him in the pit, uh, I felt the stakes the whole time. I was tense. I I didn't know if he was going to die or not, to be honest, uh, mm. or at least get bit. Mm. It could have been possible, but there were obvi- obviously while I was sitting there, I was like, nope, he's not going to die. And then I'd relax and I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> so they played that pretty well. Um, yeah. And... I was thinking, why are you not utilizing some of these tools in the pit? Like, you're surrounded by garbage. Watch out you don't fall back on a spike and also use that spike to stick in that guy's head. You know, like, just use the things around you. Anyways, um, yeah, I mean, the whole up, up, up thing and the the Jadis uh, weird talkers, all that, I think it's strange. And we have kind of like that... Uh, um, kind of reminds me of like the Undertaker or something. It's like some weird, uh, I don't know, creepy dude. That's you know what I'm talking about. The guy that spoke at the I don't even remember what he said, but he's that old guy mm-hmm. who was her speaker or something. Anyways, there was just so many things about it was strange. But the biggest thing that I uh, felt was off about this scene was Rosita. And again, I understand that she's just being played as this unlikable character, but I just really don't like her. In fact, I wrote down, no, what is your problem, Rosita? After she said, what's your problem, Tara? Um, 
She's grow I, up, Tara. Right, yeah. I just don't understand. She's the worst right now. I really don't like her. If she died, I would be okay with it. I do want her to be redeemed. I do want her to come around. I do like the character ultimately. But I have fundamental issues with her choices. Right. Yeah, I don't understand why they've gone this direction with Rosita. You know, she Same. she was a character who never really felt like a real character for a long time. They yeah. didn't develop her at all. And she, she was just sort of there. And right. then... Uh, I would say over the last season or so, they finally started to make her feel like a flesh and blood person, developing her more, which I thought was very good. Um, mm -hmm. And she, uh, I, I liked the whole idea that she, she was all about making that bullet and shooting Negan and doing that. I thought that was good. You liked um, that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying she picked the right time to shoot it, but the, just the idea that she was planning that and everything. I thought See, that I was hated good. That. Really? <laughs> I was so annoyed by it. <laughs> but why? Because you were, you thought like Rick should be planning, you know, resistance. Yeah. But as a plan, like I, I thought he would be smart about it. Hmm. I thought the rogue mentality of Rosita just going off and making a bullet, thinking that she's going to be able to get that one magic shot. I thought well, it was so naive. As we have seen on the show the last season, Negan seems to strut around right in front of guns all the time. Like, it's not sure, true. True. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just thought it was was foolish, her choice. She could have been collaborating with someone else or other group members, but she was trying to do it on her own, like an idiot. And look at where I got her. Well, I think she felt like, you know, because most people follow Rick's lead that because Rick wasn't aiming for resistance, he was just aiming for, let's just keep everybody alive that she had to carry it herself in order to get it done. Yeah, but no one talked about that. No one talked except Michonne and Rick. And mm -hmm. I had, I had fundamental issues with that, <laughs> you know, this tight knit group. It was as if they thought that the place was bugged guys. You're living in a post-apocalyptic world. You can talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about how Negan has put himself in front of guns. And, <laughs> like, we, the whole, this whole half of the season is about trying to kill Negan, essentially, and yeah. uniting groups from all over the place and getting them all on the same page in order to kill them. And Carl was in front of Negan not once but twice with... <laughs> A weapon and could have just wasted him. And yeah, <laughs> taken care of Once an automatic this. weapon, he could have just mowed <laughs> <Yeah>. him down. <laughs> and I don't know if he was just you know captivated by his smile or something like that, but he just didn't didn't do it. Oh Carl, man, yeah. the guy who the the kid who shot another kid in cold blood in the right. season. <laughs> Just right. won't won't take out the guy that he watched bash in two of his friend's skulls. Yeah. You know, I think ultimately they just don't want to kill Negan. I think it's more of a uh, plotting a resistance. Well, I think if they were smart about it, they wouldn't just try to kill Negan. And that's why I have so many issues with it. Because you don't want to just kill Negan. 
I don't think that would do it. I think you need to really get rid of the root of the issue, and that's the the mentality of these people. Maybe not the people that live at the sanctuary, but like your your uh, um, Negans and your uh, what are the um, handlebar mustache guy and and <laughs> Jareds and and all of them. Like I think I think you need to get rid of the issues. And then you'll then you'll be because if you leave around mustache guy, he's gonna come back. You know, he he may. I still think there's something to you cut off the head of the monster, and then nobody knows what to do. And and Negan has set things up so that he is the center of it all. Like yeah. like you you pointed out before, he he makes everybody say, "I am Negan," and. On the one hand, maybe if Negan was gone, then everyone would be like, I am Negan. But you can't, I don't, I'm, or they might just go, oh, we have no identity apart from Negan. And so now that he's dead, we can just let go of this stupid illusion. You know, I, I think that if Negan was taken out, um, I, I, I don't know exactly what happened what would it would happen but I'm not confident that his yes men would then turn against Alexandria because I don't think that their allegiance to Negan is anything like like true loyalty. I think it is an allegiance born out of necessity like we see with Dwight. Mm-hmm. It's the allegiance that comes not because he's loved but because he's feared. But he does have a lot of thugs surrounding he him. He does. Like yeah. guys that are just like happy to beat in people's skulls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it is kind of inconceivable that if Negan was taken out, uh, the, the Alexandrians could take out <clears throat> the rest of the saviors. That's not a plausible thing. But you can take out the key players. And I think that's the most important thing. Right. You know, this makes me think about Old Testament narratives um, where, yeah, what what are they going to do with the saviors? Like, if they manage to kill even all the leaders, then you've got... Now, when they killed the governor, they, they didn't kill the governor right away, um, but when they resisted the governor... Dismounted him. Yeah, they ended up taking in most of the people from Woodbury. Mm-hmm. But the people from Woodbury were very different. Uh, yeah, they were living in a society. Yes, yeah. And he had a cabinet of people that were just twisted. Right. And the pe- for the most part, the people in Woodbury had no idea how psychotic their leader was. Right. But I think everyone's pretty aware in the Savior's world of the kind of person he yeah. is. I, I think that... You, you are faced with a very difficult situation, which is once you take out the leaders, you know, do you feel this need to purge and, you know, just wipe them all out, you know, like like they never existed? Um, the Philistines. Right, yeah. And, I mean, my hope would be, and I think it is possible that many of them could be redeemed and and would would not want oh, yeah. to you know hundred um, percent yeah 
Can you trust it though? Do you trust those who say that? You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, you do have people like, who is that guy? Uh, The guy that got beat up because of some sandwich and his family was um, during the Daryl episode. There were basically, there were some people. Yeah. (laughs) There were some people that lived at the Savior's camp um, as families and as. people in like individuals in society mm-hmm. um but they were under a dic- they're under a dictatorship and yeah. they have to live there so i i could buy that if you dismounted negan or even kill him and you take out the key players in the savior camp i think you can see uh either people dispersing and some coming into the Alexandrian camp, or just uh, um, a scattering of the cockroaches, mm. you know? Yeah. But you, I, I think you ultimate, ultimately you do need to take out Negan and the key players. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the handlebar mustache guy. Right. Well, you know, it reminds me, lessons from history. So... You know, Germany basically goes to war against the world in World War World War One. Yeah, um, and the response from the world after that was to put really strict sanctions on Germany, kind of like a punishment sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And the result was that Hitler had a platform to rise because he was able to appeal to all that anger and. Mm-hmm the poor situation in the country. And then after we, um, the world, Germany goes to war against the world again. Um, in, you know, after that was taken care of, you think, well, now we really need to punish Germany. You, you've been bad again, but actually like instead this whole reconstruction plan was set up for Germany in order to make them like a, you know, a country that, wouldn't be in the same situation that it was in after World War One again. And the mm-hmm. results were much, much better, you know. Now, well, the world basically gets a, along with Germany and Germany mm-hmm. with the world. And, you know, it's... Uh... So, anyway, thinking that in terms of the saviors, because um, unless you can just kill every one of them. And then, of course, doing something like that affects you, right. too, you know. And, and I would say in a negative way, unless you can just kill every one of them, you're in a situation where um, it's probably better to try and like help the people that are left over and like welcome them in and like yeah do what you can to get like don't even just leave them alone to the wolves because if you do then they're probably more likely to like strike back at some time or yeah or just become a, an angry nasty group um, sure. I think that the strategy that's probably best take out the leaders. And then do everything you can to welcome in those who have been abused by Nathan. Yeah. yeah. Um, I could say in the comics, that is kind of how it goes as far as uh, um, they do take in people from the sanctuary. Hmm. I don't know if that's how it's going to go on the show or not. They haven't yeah. always stayed true to the uh, source material, but... Um, I do think it's the most likely, mm-hmm. you know, 
the most likely scenario. It's uh, a pattern that our our uh, heroes have chosen, yeah. you know, taking in those who are in need and, and things like that. And, and that's why we consider them heroes, mm-hmm. you know. Well, of course, for a while, they wouldn't do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're choosy. They're yeah. not just going to take in anyone, which, right. you know, why would you in this world? Well, there will be an extreme vetting process. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I can't <laughs> wait for that. Like the vetting <laughs> process with Alexandria at the very beginning. Yeah. That was I'm such just, a cool sequence. That was neat. Yeah. I'm just picturing Rick sitting there with a long line of saviors. He's got like his his stump. <laughs> a, maybe a hook on it now and he's like how many walkers have you killed <laughs> how many people have you killed why yeah i don't think he's asked that for a couple seasons has he yeah i don't think so that's such a good those are such good questions too and then i'll add a fourth question which is are you glad I killed Negan? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or are you glad I locked him up? I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But I think now's our our time to move on to the Daryl Carroll Daryl Carroll. And uh, so I think that all that was played super well by both of them. I watched... I know last time we recorded, I hadn't watched that part a second time. I did watch it a second time after we recorded okay. the last podcast. And uh, I just, he, Daryl just delivered that, or Norman Reedus delivered that line of like, why'd you go so perfectly? It just perfectly, like his voice cracks just a little bit right. at the end. And, yeah, uh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I just like, oh, I feel myself getting choked up. Yeah. It's just like a little kid, like, why'd you go? Yeah. You left us. Um, so yeah, I, I thought they both did such a good job there. The, the Daryl Carroll relationship is, um, so interesting. It's one uh, of ambiguity. Yep. I, I know we already hashed this all out last time, but Mm. I'm going to try and repeat it because I, I thought it was a good assessment we did. So I know we both agree that it makes sense for the Daryl Carroll relationship to be platonic. Yeah, that's the that's the way that we want it to be. I I want it to be that way for a couple reasons. One, it just feels like it feels right for it to be platonic. Right. Um, I was I was a little nervous during these two scenes that something romantic might happen, and I was crossing my fingers that it wouldn't. Yeah, same. Um, and I'm glad I'm glad they they you know didn't make that tension go you know any further than it ever has before. You know. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that Daryl should never be romantically close to anybody on the show. I think that it's, it makes this character interesting and it's fitting because Daryl appears in some ways to be emotionally stunted, not to say that people who are single are emotionally stunted, but I, I think that it keeps him from feeling like he can be fully vulnerable and open with people. And I think that he, um, you know, he has just certain fears about that level of intimacy with somebody else. And, and, uh, I, I, I also think that that 
emotional um, immaturity or stuntedness that exists in him is why the um, the romantic tension that existed between him and Beth didn't feel that awkward to me. Yeah, it really like, worked. It was it was so smart that they took that in that direction, and it was very realistic given the circumstances that they were under. You know, being... and didn't go anywhere with it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm still mad they killed Beth because I think they could have that that relationship. Seeing how it played out would be interesting, and I don't mm-hmm. think it would have played out in a romance. Yeah. No. I, right. But I I still wanted to see it explored more. Same. And, uh, so it was. I I'm still upset about Beth. Dying that was the here. most interesting part of Beth's character. Yeah. Yeah. Was what it's, she brought out of Daryl and yeah. And, yeah. That so, was one of one of my the highlights of that season for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Didn't I text you when it happened when she died, and I was furious. I th- yeah. I think. Yeah, you um, because I was catching up at that. You point. were catching up at that point. I just remember you saying it felt like someone had died. That's yeah, like literally, and that's how I felt too. Like a lot of the Walking Dead deaths affect me, mm-hmm. um, but her death really affected me a lot. Like Same. I woke up, I woke up the next morning and I felt heavy. Yeah, like um, the the Glenn death. Yes, in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. So, but anyway, back to. Uh, Daryl and Carol, um, I, I love just their dynamic. I, I appreciate it. I remember you said this when we recorded the first time that their relationship is not really like maternal, like she's, and it's not really brother sister, and it's not really romance. It's just right. it's friendship. In um, the like most pure form, it's so yeah. ambiguous. Yeah, um, but there's a sense that they get each other. Mm-hmm. they respect each other they love each other mm-hmm. and um and it's one of the, it's one of the few relationships on the show at this point that has the richness that comes from being around for such a long time and having yeah. been gone through having gone through so much because there really isn't that many left that have been there since the beginning no i know so, it's sad too yeah so did you how do you feel about Daryl lying? Um, so I knew it was going to happen. Uh, I knew it would happen, but I was really upset. Well, I was upset that it did, that I was right because on one hand, I understand him lying. I understand that uh, initially he would have wanted Carol to lead the charge, quote unquote. But as he was watching her kind of crumble yeah, in front of him, he realized that this is a woman that would lead the charge to death. You know, she is someone who cares just so deeply. And I think he gets her. Like, I think he understands it, and and she's one of the few people he can truly empathize with. Mm-hmm. And so him saying that was such a gesture of care. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it'll come back to bite him in the butt. I hope that the writers flip the script there, that they uh, 
they give us a um a scenario in which she accepts that he did it and and is quite pleased that he did it because if he didn't then um it would have been a uh it would have caused her to do some things that she would have regretted but man i'll tell you that scene just in general had me like white knuckling and not white knuckling in in a uh fear way or in a i was afraid that something bad was going to happen way i did feel that way at the very end and i'll get to that in a second ironically but i was just so so in the scene with them i felt like i was a fly in the wall yeah they played it so well uh the initial greeting at the front door was so beautiful and they've earned this like these characters have earned this the actors have earned this this show the show in itself has earned this Mm -hmm. and um it's a testament to the to the fact that when you do keep characters around long enough and keep developing relationships you can pay that off later down the road and and we'll feel so connected we'll feel like we're there i think it's stupid that a lot of writers feel the need to kill off characters because their arc is over or for whatever reason no keep the characters that work around keep any character around because you can uh um you can advance them into a into an arc that really has emotional uh, explores some great emotional territory, and there's some elements in their greeting that just um, were seasoned. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the relationship in general, and we we kind of already touched on it a little bit, but the relationship in general is so important for Daryl because he often says uh, to people and in fact he said in this episode you don't get me you don't understand you don't know where I've been things like that and Carol Carol's always the uh, kind of character that um, she's always transforming into another character she's playing so many different characters throughout this series that no one can really truly know who she is just uh, due to the nature of uh, um, how she tries to blend in to different communities and whatnot. Yet Daryl can understand her and she can understand Daryl. There's always been this connection that's (laughs) tethered them uh, in such a beautiful way. It's not romantic. It's not maternal. It's just true care. And I think it's so unique and strange yeah. and awesome and it's perfect. And if they ever went in the direction of mommy issues or ever went in the direction of kissing or anything like that, it would just sabotage it to me. It would throw it <laughs> throw it in the ocean and I would never want it back. But I thought it was <laughs> interesting that they've um that they explored his emotional stunt stuntedness with that episode where they um where him and Carol did their little one off and she showed him a book about uh, uh childhood abuse they've 
they've done so much to earn this. Like it's they've really been cooking it for a long time, and I love that. Yeah. If they kill Daryl or Carol at this point, I would be furious. <laughs> I really, I really would be furious. I don't know if I could respect the writers or the showrunner. Well, I am confident that Daryl will not die. Mm-hmm. Carol, I'm a little less confident on. Yeah. But I certainly hope that they they don't do that. And, you know, we've talked about this before. They're always in an awkward position because so much of the drama of the show comes from the suspense that's caused by not knowing if people are going to live or die. And uh, if there are certain people that seem safe, a lot of that suspense is drained out of it. I'm still mad they killed Glenn. I wish they hadn't killed Glenn. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, when you kill Glenn, you lose the opportunity for the kind of moment that we saw today. Um, or not today. Um, on this, In this episode. And it's something, yeah, that gets earned over a lot of time. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's really, it's a tough balancing act to hold on to your character so you can have those moments which make watching the show worthwhile. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, maintain the suspense uh, that you want to have. And and I <clears throat> I can't presume to say like exactly how they should do it. But at this point, I would say don't kill Daryl or Carol. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. And I honestly, I would contend that their arc and their connection is better than any other on the show. Mm-hmm. I would say their connection is better than uh, Rick and Daryl or Rick and Michonne or Rick and Carl or... Carl and Michonne. Like, Carl and Michonne have a great chemistry. Um, But Daryl and Carol have been going from the beginning, and we don't have any of those connections anymore. And I think it's so vitally important that they recognize that and they honor that. If they did ever kill either of those, they would need to really do it in a way that respected that. Mm -hmm. And they would also have to supplement it with an... uh, Maybe maybe uh, pressing more into the relationship between Carol and, or um, Carl and Michonne because we need something. I, I can't watch this show and not care anymore. You know, if, if Daryl and Carol died, I just don't think I'd care enough about the other characters at this point like I do with them. Yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, there's definitely a level of uh, of feeling for for those characters that has been a long time gestating, and you know it would be hard to to see that lost. So, I there was I, uh, I, I wanted to um, have a quick uh, um, connection to what I was saying earlier. Uh, the the part that I thought was sort of ominous. Mm-hmm. was when he was walking away and he gave that hug and he left. First of all, that hug was just, again, killer. Yeah. Uh, but when he's walking away, I thought I thought someone was going to, there was going to be a spy, a savior spy. Oh, yeah. In the woods there. And they'd cut to that. And uh, and we'd, we'd see that Carol's kind of in jeopardy at this point. Yeah. But they didn't do that. So Right. So thank God. <laughs> as 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 great as all of the Daryl and Carol stuff was, Daryl's actions afterwards seemed completely ridiculous. Nonsensical. But <laughs> why is why is he going to Hilltop? 
have no idea why he's going to Hilltop. Yeah. And he knows that Richard, who is still being Richard, has no qualms about killing Carol. And right. So he's just, and he hasn't told her anything about any of that. Yeah. So he's kind of, he's left Carol in a very vulnerable position. He's put himself in an extremely vulnerable position. And by putting himself in a vulnerable position, he's putting all the Alexandrians in a vulnerable position. Yep. So I have no idea what his rationale is for, for going to Hilltop. Yeah. I don't either, quite honestly. The search for Daryl is still underway. <laughs> right. You know, they're, they're, they missed him at Alexandria. The next rational place they should go to is Hilltop. Yeah. You know, um, quick, quick note. I just wanted to say, I did like the Morgan Daryl scene. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I love that Morgan was able to figure out that if he had seen Carol, he hadn't told her Mm -hmm. and you know, that Daryl was in that moment actually acting more Morganish than he realized. Mm -hmm. And Morgan was able to point out you're be, you're being Morganish. So don't be (laughs) mad at me for being Morganish. Sounds like a Polish word. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I I like, I do appreciate the tension between Daryl and Morgan. And, you know, where Daryl's just like, you know, whatever you're hanging on to, it's gone. Wake up, you know. Um, And I I do love, I, I, like I said earlier, I appreciate Morgan. I appreciate what he brings to the show. I like that. It's always he's always reminding us of this tension that always exists that you can never fully resolve. You know, like wisdom is always trying to decide, okay, how do we handle conflict? How do we deal with violence? How do we deal with evil yeah. in the world? And sometimes it's just it's really hard to find a clear answer on that. And for sure, can, I can totally understand Morgan's perspective. I get it, and I like that that perspective is on the show. And because yeah, for. You have to. Uh, for for a long time on The Walking Dead, it felt like whoever was advocating for that perspective got killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, True. Morgan has existed since the beginning, from the very yeah. beginning of the show. So, anyway. Speaking of I, that, I wish yeah. that they would explore the, the relationship between Rick and Morgan. That was one yeah. thing I was really excited to see yeah. when he came well, back on the show. Yeah. Of course, they really don't have a lot of a relationship because they've only been together for like two days out of their entire. Um, well, they they have. OK, so, yes, the time spent with each other is limited. However, um, there's a certain quality to their relationship that's aged. And I think it I think you can uh, um, acknowledge that they've known each other from the beginning like morgan was the first face rick saw once he uh came out of the coma mm-hmm. and or maybe the boy was but either way morgan was one of those faces and um he's always been on rick let, let's call a spade a spade he's always been on rick's heart rick's mm-hmm. heart has he's always felt for for morgan and they would mention it throughout the season or throughout the series and uh, I, I hope they honor that because when Morgan came back and initially like had that reunion with Rick, it was nice, but it yeah. wasn't as big as it could have been. It wasn't as emotional as it could have been. And, and in fact, they just keep diminishing it more and more and more. I would think Rick, Rick would have a little bit more respect for Morgan and Morgan would have a little bit more respect for him and their, their 
philosophies could challenge each other just a little bit more yeah. you know i'm just remembering when morgan first had his reunion rick with rick rick was covered in blood and he had just killed somebody yes that was <laughs> epic <laughs> it was it was definitely an awkward time for them to reunite especially because since morgan was on the at the pinnacle of his anti-violence he was um, being morganish yeah he was he was extremely morganish <laughs> so but yeah I, I i guess i do wonder you know if the show does eventually have an end game some sort of resolution if they'll kind of do the bookending thing and have morgan and rick still together at the end and it's always weird to me when I think, oh, Morgan's on the show, like, regularly now. Yeah. It's so weird. Like, what other show introduces a character in the pilot and then, like, four years later turns him into a regular? It's More so than that, wasn't it? I guess it was five. Five? five. Yeah. Hmm. So. Is he yeah, in the comics? Yeah, that's nuts. Is Morgan in the comics? Uh, you know, I can't remember. I don't think so. All right, well, um, we got to wrap it up. Mm -hmm. Um, So, predictions? Yeah. Uh, Quick prediction. I think next week's episode will um, be a bottle episode, unfortunately. I hope not, but, you know, that's, that's kind of been the trend of The Walking Dead, and they haven't made me believe that they'll change that that uh um pattern up yet so i think just like a one storyline isolate itself around uh eugene and the saviors i do hope that there's a um a negan backstory in it but you know uh, one can only hope uh i do think they'll break eugene in that he will make them ammunition but at the same time figure out a way to subtly sabotage them mm. and betray them. Ooh, that's a good prediction. I like that. Yeah. So not necessarily break him, but seemingly break him. Yeah. He'll play the game. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a good prediction. Um, spoiler alert, we know from the from the preview that Dwight is going to feature as well. So I think that this could be a point where we start to see Dwight turning on Negan and perhaps aligning himself in some way with Eugene, some sort of, Hmm. you know, mutually beneficial partnership developing there. Um, I, I am hoping the best for Eugene and would love for him to sabotage them in some way. Yeah. I hope he does have like a good comeback. Yeah. Cause I like Eugene a lot, but he's just such a ninny. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he did in the, in the mid season finale, he admitted that he made that bullet. He and did. He really thought it was going to mean a bat to the head. And for a moment right. it looked like it was going to right. Like you remember that the way it was filmed where like Negan was right in front and, yep. and, and, and uh, Eugene's head was right behind him, like all tensed up and, it was it, so it, well was like, done. We was like, Lucille, give me strike. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want to see this. I can't watch this. Because, like, it's almost more, it, like, it's one thing for it to be someone like an Abraham, who is just such a tough guy anyway. Uh-huh. But, like, when it's somebody 
like you so did. frail like, yeah <laughs> no, i can't handle it that's just so that's a level of cruelty that is well it's like beating it's already, an animal yeah it's already a level of cruelty that's incomprehensible to well i will say i really like how they're um how they've not given us another lucille death since the season opening because if it ever happens again which is questionable that it will but if Mm -hmm. it does happen again it'll come out of left field yeah you know it'll hit us upside the head (laughs) no pun intended (laughs) forgive me (laughs) or maybe maybe it was (laughs) so all right um you know what i'll go with that prediction too i like that prediction so i'll make that my prediction too and yeah. uh, and also include the the element of maybe some sort of relationship between Dwight and Eugene developing. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the uh, the ocean side story? Do you want to mention that at all, but or save that? Um. Well, like you pointed out last time, they telegraphed pretty clearly that that's where the guns are going to come from mm-hmm. from Oceanside. If Terra will. Of course, it's going to come out somehow. Yeah. Um, so Rick will um, torture it out of her. <laughs> <laughs> One uh, can only hope. Tara is another one that I have a hard time imagining her die, dying like Eugene, because like it just seems like it would just be so cruel of the show to do that because they're such normal people. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's there's something about the fact that they're so uh, i don't know if normal they're like they just seem like the kind of people you just meet on the street or something like yeah. that um and but yet we know them so it's not like olivia where it's like oh that was sad but we don't really know her the same way right. that we know tara and eugene well right. i think it's a good place to wrap it up yeah so. oh we'll say real quick uh we will have social media to be able to connect us to our listeners and we will have a, a means to be able to send in questions and comments and things like that so if you're able if you want to to get in the conversation with us there'll be means to do that in the Sounds future good. we'll we'll we'll, get, we'll let you know what all right great and uh let us pray that this actually works this time <laughs> <laughs> all right until next week Signing off. Over now.